Well, it's good to see you all today. And uh, I wanted to come up with a good joke because I like to start the service with a joke. But I couldn't remember. The only one I can remember was one that Mike told uh, on a Christmas Eve service a few years ago. And he didn't want to tell it again, but I will. But anyway, uh, and I'll probably blow the joke, just so you know. So anyway, was it the nuns that put the sign? Was that who did it? Okay. <laughs> anyway, I'm going to tell my, my version. Anyway, the nuns, uh, they, they had a Christmas party, and they had a, a, a thing of apples, and then they had some cookies. And, uh, and so the nuns were there for a while, and then they had to leave. And so they put a sign up and said, kids, don't take any of the apples. God's watching those apples. Oh, okay, don't take more than one apple. God's watching the apples. So, so one of the little kids wrote a note, and he put it over with the cookies and said, God's watching the apples, so take all the cookies you want. <laughs> uh, so anyway, okay, here we go. We're going to jump in today, and uh, I want to talk about uh, who is Jesus. You know, and, and, and the thing is, lots of times, some people think Jesus is the baby in the manger, and they still got him in the manger. Now, thank God he was born in a, he was born in a manger, and thank God he was, that he came here to earth. Uh, some people think he's still hanging on the cross, and even, you know, in some churches they have him still hanging on the cross. But thank God he went to the cross, uh, but he's not still hanging on the cross, amen? And uh, so it's important to know that. Uh, also, uh, I've ministered to Muslims often, and, and, you know, Muslims think that Jesus was, was a great prophet. But they don't believe he was the son of God, and they believe that when Jesus was crucified, that it was somebody that looked like Jesus, that it really wasn't Jesus, and therefore he didn't rise from the dead. So they believe Muhammad trumps him because he came later with supposedly greater prophecy. So there's a lot of misunderstanding about Jesus. And, uh, and you know, the irony is that uh, some people just think Jesus is kind of a nice guy that walked on the earth. But thank God he's the son of God. Thank God he went to, he literally went to the cross, gave his life, rose from the dead, conquered death and hell, gave us the promise that we're going to, as believers in him, we're going to live eternally. We're going to spend eternity with him when we leave this earth. And so, you know, thank God he's much more than what often people think. And uh, so today uh, I'm going to pray first and then uh, I'm just going to ask him to really pour himself out. But he's alive. He's here. Uh, he's with us when we receive Jesus. Literally, the Holy Spirit comes to live in us, so we have access to him, obviously. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are one. But, you know, anyway, here's the deal. Heavenly Father, I thank you today that you're going to pour yourself out in this place. And I pray, Lord, more than anything else, that you will encounter each and every person, those who know you, those who know you well, those who maybe don't know you that well, and those that don't know you at all. But, Lord, I thank you, Jesus. We just thank you for your presence here. And we thank you that you come and you pour yourself out in this place because you're alive. And we thank you for Jesus. And everybody said? Amen. 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 Okay, so the question is, who is Jesus? Well, uh, I want to read from uh, Isaiah. This is a famous passage. In fact, it's a passage that's often read at, at, East, I'm at Easter, at Christmas. <laughs> and uh, let me open my, oh, come on. Here we go again. Oh. <laughs> oh, yes. Okay, sorry about that. Why is that not working? <laughs> Can't get it. <laughs> All right. Anyway, it was really nice seeing you guys. And uh <laughs> Okay, here we go. Uh, okay. 
I'm going to go to Isaiah 9. You can follow with me if you want. Verse 6 and 7. For, un, for to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. Obviously, that's talking about God establishing his kingdom, which the disciples misunderstood, thinking that he was going to establish a political kingdom. And uh, he was talking about the kingdom, which was much bigger than anything that could be established just here on earth. I'll tell you what I'm going to do today. And the Lord spoke to me about this, how to do it. I'm going to do it in reverse order. You know, the scripture says, wonderful counselor. Um, let's see. Wonderful counselor, everlasting God. How's it go? Wonderful counselor. What's next? Mighty God, everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. We're going to go backwards. We're going to go Prince of Peace. This is why I got confused. Prince of Peace. Then the second one will be Everlasting Father. The third one is? And the fourth one is? Okay. Father, we thank you for this service, and we ask you to bless the people. (laughs) You got it. You got it. Okay, here we go. First of all, let's look at Prince of Peace, okay? Now, I think there's a lot of misunderstanding about peace because people think, and the kind of the definition, the English definition of peace is absence of turmoil. But I want you to know the peace from a biblical standpoint is so much more than that. Let me explain. First of all, one of the things that the, I mean, the first things that the the shepherds, uh, when they were out in the fields, you know, watching over their flocks by night, when the angels, uh, you know, appeared in heaven, they sang a song. And in that song, uh, in fact, we'll put it up on the scripture, but it says, suddenly there was a great company of heavenly hosts appeared and the angels praising God and saying, and many believe they were singing this, but glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace to those on whom his favor rests. Now, different scriptures say different things. Some say peace on earth, goodwill toward men. Uh, that's King James, New King James. Uh, other scriptures say, this, this is the NIV, which says, in which his favor rests. Other says, like the ESV says, in which God is pleased. So in other words, it's not automatic. Just because Jesus is the Prince of Peace, it's not automatic. You have to basically access that. Because where his favor is on those people who have received him. Those people who know him. And so it's really important to know that he wants to be your Prince of Peace. He wants to be my Prince of Peace. He wants to be personally our Prince of Peace. And so my question is, is he your, your, is, is he your Prince of Peace? Or do you, like many of us and like myself at times, do you get just overwhelmed by life here on earth where the peace kind of disappears? Now, the Greek, I mean the Hebrew word for peace is shalom. Say shalom. Shalom means a lot more than peace. It's translated peace, but it means wholeness relationally with God, relationally with others. It means wholeness physically, emotionally, in all areas of life. And so it's talking about a wholeness. Irene, the Greek word for peace, also has very similar meaning, and its first meaning is relationship 
relationship peace, peace and relationship, talking about God. In fact, in Romans chapter 5, and we'll put this up, Romans chapter 5 verse 1 makes it really, really clear. It says, therefore, since we've been justified through faith, we have what? Peace with God through who? Our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, none of us had peace with God, and, and meaning coming into a really healthy relationship with him until Jesus came into our life. You know, um, I was a Zen Buddhist. <laughs> I was many things. I was a drug addict and a Zen Buddhist and all those things combined. And I would meditate for 40 minutes in the morning and 40 minutes in the evening. I ran the Monterey Zendo in Monterey, California. When thankfully some friends of mine came by when I was 28 and a half and, and I gave my life to Jesus. But let me just say, I would meditate and I was a little ADD anyway, a little ADHD actually, but they didn't say it back then. It was just ADD. But anyway, I would meditate and I could achieve a surface peace. You know, I could kind of leave the, the, the pressures, and, but I couldn't get an internal peace. And I didn't have a peaceful relationship with God. And I didn't really have a peaceful relationship with others. And so what I want to say to you is that that peace, he wants to be your prince of peace. He wants to bring you in that relationship with God where you're not under condemnation. You're not under guilt. You're not under shame. You're not feeling like you're always falling short. You know, he wants to know he loves you just as you are. He wants to walk with you in those places. He wants to care for you. And he wants to be your peace. You can't get peace just from other means. He is the only way you're going to get peace. You know, there's a scripture. Uh, I went through a battle with anxiety for about two and a half years. And I remember there's a scripture I would quote often. And it's from, it's from Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7. And in Philippians 4, 6 and 7, it says, Have no anxiety in anything. And when I first read that, I went, yeah, that's great. That's a great principle. But then if you read further, it goes on, have no anxiety in anything, but, but it says, by prayer and supplication, make your request known to God with thanksgiving. And that's a very key word in there, or key three words. You see, it's one thing, I can make my request known to God. Oh, God, I can't believe this is happening. Or I can make those requests, God, I'm really going through a hard time, but I want to thank you that you're in this with me. I thank you that I'm not alone in this struggle. I thank you that you're walking with me. Now, that's an attitude of thanksgiving. That's not a grumbling attitude where I come to him and I bring my request to him in a grumbling, uh, in a bad way. I do it with thanksgiving. And then there's a promise. It says the peace of God. If you do this, the peace of God. Now, it's not the world's peace. Because the world's peace isn't going to do much for you. But the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding will keep your heart or guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. Now, what does that mean? It actually, the word guard there is a, is a military term that means it'll garrison itself like an army around your heart and your mind. Now, I don't know about you, but there's times in my life where I desperately need that army of peace to come around my heart and my mind, to take me through that time and to have a thankful heart that I'm, I'm you know, I'm in the midst of a struggle, but I'm going to get through it because the Prince of Peace is with me. He's giving me the ability to do that. I'm walking with him. I can bring those requests to him. Oftentimes, he doesn't answer my requests as quickly and the way I want to. Amen? But he's there. He's there for me. He's going to walk with me. And I have this confidence 
that I know that I'm going to get through. One of my favorite scripture is, it came to pass. Amen? So I just want to say to you today, it came to what? That's the reason it came. It came to? Just remember that when you're in the midst of it. Because sometimes it seems like it's never going to pass. And, uh, and so uh, I just want to really encourage you to let him be your Prince of Peace. He really desperately wants to be. And so you remember Jesus in the boat? He was in the boat. And the disciples were freaking out. The storm, the waves were crashing over the boat. Jesus was asleep in the boat. He wasn't concerned at all. And then he, he, they woke him up. Jesus, don't you care about us? We're going to perish. And he goes, oh, you have little faith. Then he goes, storm, be still. And it just calmed like that. So I just want to know, I just want to tell you this. As long as you got Jesus in your boat, the Prince of Peace is in your boat, doesn't matter how much the storms are around the boat. Amen? Say, I've got the Prince of Peace in my boat. So I know my boat's not sinking. <laughs> All right. Number two. Number two. What's number two? And we're going backwards. Number two is Everlasting Father. Very good. I do a lot of counseling now, and that's kind of my role. And I have found that so many of us have father wounds. Now, it wasn't that our fathers were bad fathers necessarily, although sometimes the fathers weren't even there. It's not that so much. It's just we have such a need for love through, the, through our earthly father. I had, a, I had an earthly father who was an orphan. His mother died when he was two. His father died when he was 14. And the horrible thing was his father died at 14 of a massive heart attack in the middle of the night after my dad, who was 14, had had a, a horrendous argument with his dad. And my dad told me many times, he said, I killed my father. I said, Dad, you didn't kill. He did. He said, he said I did kill my father. If I hadn't had that argument with him, he never would have had the heart attack and died. Now, could you imagine living under that? Unfortunately, he became a Christian. Thank God my dad became a Christian late in life, but he never really got healed of that. And he had a horrendous childhood. He had a guardian who treated him like crap. I wasn't going to say that. (laughs) Forgive me. I'm so sorry. No, I really prayed that I wouldn't say that word. Anyway, (laughs) but anyway, I I really, I feel bad about it. Anyway, here's the deal. Here's the deal. (laughs) Anyway. Oh, Lord. Even Yvonne was praying for me. (laughs) And so was my son. Anyway, your prayers were not answered, unfortunately, but neither were mine. So, but here's the deal. My dad really, really struggled. And so he didn't have the ability to ever affirm me. So no matter, and I was the oldest of three boys, so no matter what I did, he never said, wow, that was great, son. It was always like, well, you brought one C up. I bet you can bring the other C up and the other B's up to A's. I bet you can get all A's. I scored one touchdown. He goes, son, I bet next week you'll score two. I never heard of affirmation, so I never felt like I was, could ever do well enough until Jesus, I mean, until the Father God. And, and, you know, Jesus is called Everlasting Father. That's a little confusing. I'll explain it. But until the Father God, until Jesus really came into my life and began to love me unconditionally, and I realized that I was loved unconditionally, even though my father didn't have the ability to do that. I don't blame him for that. I don't blame him at all. In fact, I got healed, and I knew he really deeply loved me, 
and that he was proud of me, but he just wasn't able to say it because he had never received any affirmation himself. And so here's what I want to say. He's our everlasting father. That everlasting means he's always going to be our dad. Now, this is talking about Jesus. You say, well, how can Jesus be the father? Well, first of all, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are one. And so Jesus is actually referred to, you see, do you remember in John 14, 9, Philip says, hey, Jesus, show us the father. And he goes, Philip, I've been with you all this time. If you've seen me, you've seen the father. See, he was the representation of the father here on earth. He was connected to the Father. He said, I can do nothing, John 5, 19. I can do nothing, nothing outside of, outside of what, my, what I see or experience from, from my Father. And so he was totally dependent on him and connected to him. So here's what you have to understand. If you, if you have a, and no matter how great a dad is, he can never love us to the degree we need to be loved. However, when you begin to realize that he's your everlasting father, he will fulfill those empty places in your heart. He will come in and let you know how deeply loved you are. He'll let you know, and even if you stumble, he'll let you know he still loves you and he's with you. He's not disowning you. Amen? And he'll affirm you constantly. He'll affirm you from his word. He'll affirm you just personally. And he'll let you know that he's with you no matter what. And I don't know about you, but I need an everlasting father. I want to give you a scripture in Psalm 68, verses 5 and 6. A father to the fatherless. I want you to hear that. He's a father to the fatherless. That's so powerful. Somebody that maybe didn't have a dad or just had a bad experience. or you know, He's the father to the fatherless. He, he's the father to those that struggle in those areas. A defender of widows. Now, that's important to know. He's a defender of widows. That means, and that word defender in the, in the Hebrew, it doesn't mean he just protects you. It means he's there for you. He's there for you, no matter what. Even, you know, and it's sad. You know, some of you have lost loved ones, uh, and during the holiday season, it's a tough time. It's a tough time. And uh, I had a friend who, you know, I mean, it's... It's so difficult because you just experience those wonderful times and the holidays with that person, and all of a sudden they're gone. Now, you're going to be reunited with them, you know, in heaven, but in the meantime, it's, it's a struggle. But here's the good news. He is a defender and a supporter and a lover of widows. Also is God in his holy dwelling. God sets the lonely in families. Now, listen to this. He sets the lonely in families. He leads out the prisoner with singing, but the rebellious live in a sun-scorched land. How many don't want to live in a sun-scorched land? Amen? Uh, I don't. Uh, I could use a little more warmth in January, but, you know, the, po- the point is, uh, <laughs> but the point is I don't want to live in a sun-scorched land. So I don't want to be rebellious. And notice it says he sets the lonely in families. I just happened to hear of this survey that was done just recently, where it says 45% of seniors say they are lonely. 45%, that's, only, that's almost half the population of seniors say that they, they struggle with loneliness. Also, it's said in this survey that it's the highest levels of younger people as well struggling with loneliness that they've ever seen. Now, why is that? You'd say with all the social media and Facebook and all this, that there shouldn't be loneliness. You know what? The sad part is that's not 
a substitute for a real flesh and blood relationship. Social media is kind of a phony uh, substitute. It doesn't fulfill the need that we have for each other. And God sets us in family. When you become a believer, you have a family of believers around you. You know, every other person that knows Jesus is automatically your brother and sister. Now think about that. That's an amazing thing. Every other person who's a believer is your brother and your sister. Doesn't matter how old, doesn't matter how young, doesn't matter what their ethnic background is. We're all brothers and sisters. That's so powerful. He sets us in families. And it breaks the loneliness. It doesn't mean we don't struggle sometimes with that, but, but we have the ability to know how we care about each other because we're in the same family. And then, you know, not only that, another scripture that I want to just bring up, new, a new, new, you know, new Testament scripture. 2 Corinthians 6.18 says, And I will be a what? A what to you? I'll be a father to you. And you will be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. Now that's a promise. So you are his kids. And you know what? He's wild about his kids. You say, but what if I make a mistake? Well, let me ask you, when your kid makes a mistake, you know, your little kid makes a mistake, do you go, well, son, or well, daughter, uh, I'm disowning you now because you made a mistake. Well, think about it. God is a God of much more unconditional love. Obviously, you'd never do that. And God would never disown you because you made a mistake. He's grieved that you made a mistake, but he's with you and he wants to get you back on your feet. He's with you to pick you up and brush you off and let you know you're forgiven and that you're his kid and that he loves you and that he's crazy about you. Say, I am so glad that my father is crazy about me. Turn to your neighbor and say, he's crazy about you too. (laughs) All right. Now, understanding that, and uh, understanding that, I want to go to number three. Number three is, what is it? Mighty God. Mighty God. Now, as I'm saying these things, I want to make sure that he's your Prince of Peace, that he's your everlasting Father. And this is an opportunity for, to let him become more of that if he's not. Because he desperately wants to be. He knows we live in a fallen world. He knows we struggle with, you know, dysfunction all around us. He knows that we have dysfunction in our life. He knows all that. Yet we're still his kids. And he is a mighty God. Now, when do you discover that God is a mighty God? Just when you read the scripture? When do you discover that he's a mighty God? I know David Cooper found out he was a mighty God on, what, what night was it, David? Thursday night. David Cooper, if you saw his car, you'd wonder how he lived. Somebody hit him from behind, and he has no bumps, bruises. He doesn't even have his neck, doesn't bother him. I mean, he was literally protected supernaturally. <laughs> and so... <laughs> His wife is very excited about that. <laughs> anyway, um, but the amazing thing is, you know, you know when we discover God's a mighty God? When we're really in a situation where we need mighty God to come through, amen? Otherwise, we, you know, we hear he's mighty, but we don't really know how mighty he is. 
I know for me, uh, in different times of my life, where I've struggled when God shows himself. Now, here's the thing that I want to explain. Sometimes you would say, well, God wasn't really a mighty God in my situation. Because he didn't do this or he didn't do that. See, sometimes we have a misconcept, a misconception of God. We think that God is in control of everything in our life. In other words, everything that happens, that's God. And, and in fact, Twyla Paris sang a great song years ago, God is in control. It was a great song. But it's not true. Let me explain why. God's in charge. But he's not in control of everything. You know why? He relinquished control in the Garden of Eden. He allowed Adam and Eve to have free will. Do you think God wanted Adam and Eve to sin? No. If he was in control, he wouldn't allow them to do that. But see, do you think he wants us to struggle and to fall into sin? No. He doesn't want that to happen. But we have a will. We have a free will. We can do what we want. We can either receive Jesus or we can reject him. And so he's poured himself out for us. But he's not in control of all the things that happen. We live in a fallen world, and sometimes bad things happen to good people. It doesn't mean God's not a mighty God. It just means that there's things that happen, and he'll walk with you through that. And he promises in Romans 8, 28, that all things eventually will work together for good to those that love God and are called according to his purpose. So even though something bad might happen, you know, He's, he, he's with us, and he's going to bring good out of it eventually, but it may take a long time, and it may not be the way we think it should happen. Amen? You know, I remember when I, I went through, years ago, I went through probably one of the hardest times I went through a divorce, and, and I remember during that time I felt so horrible. I prayed, I prayed, I prayed, and I just felt so horrible, and God didn't do, he didn't bring it back together like I prayed. You know what? The bottom line was, that he was with me and he showed himself strong in my life, helping me to help me raise my kids, helping me to find my wonderful wife, Yvonne. I mean, he, he was a mighty God, but he wasn't mighty the way I thought he should be. Amen? And so I just want you to say, when you feel like he's not mighty like he should be, why don't you check your heart on that? Because he's a great God, and he'll, if you stay with him, he'll stay with you. Amen? Amen or oh me? Okay. Uh, I want to give you a scripture here because this is, how, this is how the Apostle Paul realized, you know, one of the times he realized God was a mighty God. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 8 and 9. One of the things I love about the Apostle Paul is he, he's very honest. He's very transparent. He doesn't try to act like he's more than he is. You know, he knows the Lord so well that he doesn't have to blow smoke. He doesn't have to pretend that he's something that he's not. And he says this. He's writing to the Corinthians. And he says, Corinthians, we do not want you to be uninformed, brothers and sisters, about the troubles we experienced in the province of Asia. We were under great pressure, far beyond our ability to endure, so that we despaired of life itself. Now, if you look at the, the Greek here, there was a point where he didn't even want to live. He despaired of life. He didn't even want to go on living. 
That's how bad things got. I want you to hang with me here because here's what I want you to see. In the midst of this struggle where he realized that things were overwhelming, guess what, folks? We have times in life where things come in and they're overwhelming. They're overwhelming. We just can't handle it in our own ability and power. We pray, we quote scripture, we got other people to pray, but it doesn't disappear the way we think it should. In those times, that's when you're going to find mighty God. In fact, he goes on to say in the next verse, here's what he says. Indeed, we had received the sentence of death. But this happened that we might not rely on ourselves. Did you hear that? That we might not rely on ourselves, but on God who... Who what? Who what? Now listen to me. He said... We had to learn not to rely on our own abilities. That doesn't mean we just don't try. It just means that there's times where we don't have the faculties and the ability to overcome that in our own power. We need help from mighty God. Amen? And that's when he will be there. Now, again, I want to make it clear. He may not do it as quickly and, and as, in exactly the way you like it, but he's there for you. He promises that he will be, and he will be there. Because he's a mighty God. And he wants to be that mighty God for you. See, he has a destiny for each and every one of us and for us in a, as a group. He has this destiny for us. And that destiny that he has for us is his will for our lives. But I'm telling you, if, if you don't have peace, if he's not your Prince of Peace, if he's not your everlasting Father, and if he's not a mighty God, you can, you can be derailed from that. And so when you allow him to be that, And so in that struggle, you say, wow, I can't get this done in my own power. God, you're going to have to show yourself strong because I don't have the faculties and the ability in my own own way to make this happen. And that's why Paul says, he says that we might not rely on ourselves but on God. And then he just adds, on God who raises the dead. We don't serve a wimpy God. We don't serve a God who... Well, we don't serve the God that some people serve. He's a wimpy God. He's a phony God. We serve a real God, a God of unconditional love, a God of grace, a God of mercy, a God of strength, and a God who's mighty. And so remember that. Remember that when you're going through a struggle, when you're in a place where you go, man, I I don't know how I'm going to get through this. Well, I don't know how you're going to get through it, but I do know that if you look to him, he's going to get you through it. It might not be in the way you think, might not be in the way you pray, but he will get you through it. That's a promise. Because he's not only your Prince of Peace, he's also your everlasting Father, and he's also mighty God. Is that good news or bad news? That's great news. That means that we'll be more than conquerors through him who loves us. Paul wrote those words. Romans eight thirty seven. We're more than conquerors. Through him who loves us. More than conquerors. You know, you can't be more than a conqueror unless you've got a huge battle going on. That's when you become more than a conqueror. You're not just a conqueror. You're more than a conqueror because the odds are against you. Say, I'm more than a conqueror. When the odds are against me, my God is greater. And he lives in me. And he's with me. And he's a mighty God. Amen.
Now, the last area is the one I really want to focus on even the most. This is the first one mentioned. I think it's mentioned first because I think oftentimes we don't know Jesus as Wonderful Counselor. We know him as Lord and Savior. We know him as Mighty God. We know him as Everlasting Father and Prince of Peace even. But we oftentimes don't know him as Wonderful Counselor. As I mentioned about five or six years ago, uh, I started going through massive anxiety. It's really weird to have it happen late in life. And uh, it got to the point where I just wanted to go live on the beach. I was done. I was still lead pastor. Uh, And I just wanted to go live on the beach. I was done. And I could feel the effects it was having on my physical body, on my emotional stress, and just... I mean, it turned out I began to counsel with someone on a regular basis. And I realized a lot of the dysfunction of my childhood had been covered up by some successes I'd had in life. And uh, I just want to tell you, success can cover a multitude of dysfunction, (laughs) I found. (laughs) But as the Lord began to encounter me in these areas, Areas of trauma in my life. I was sexually abused as a child. I, I had a lot of different things happen, you know, through my childhood and on. And, you know, as the Lord Jesus would encounter me in those places and he would show his love and truth to me, some of the lies I'd received began to get broken. Didn't happen overnight. But it began to happen to the point where I gradually became freer of the anxiety and freer of the anxiety till I remember one morning I woke up and I went, wow. It's totally gone. Now, I have flashbacks still to what it was like. And it's horrible. And my heart goes out to those of you that struggle with anxiety and depression. Because it's like a dark cloud comes over you and it literally paralyzes you. And uh, my heart goes out to you deeply because I've been there. But I do want to say this. That he is an incredible, wonderful counselor. Jesus is an incredible counselor. You know, it's interesting... The first, in, in, uh, in Isaiah 61, which Mike in the prayer room was uh, read, in Isaiah 61, where Jesus, it talks about Jesus, and the first thing it says is he came to heal the brokenhearted. It's repeated again in Luke chapter 4, but he said he came to heal the brokenhearted and set the captives free. That's a wonderful counselor. Because we can become captive to a lot of different things in our life. And there are different things. And lots of times as Christians, we want to, people go, how are you doing? Praise the Lord, I'm fine. Now, the truth is, it's good to praise the Lord, but it's also good to be real. It's good to say, hey, I'm going through a struggle right now, but I know God's going to bring me through it. And I'd really appreciate your prayers. In other words, he's a wonderful counselor. And what I have found in the counseling that I do, I have seen Jesus encounter people at very painful times in their past and even in the present. And I have seen them encounter him, them, this person, and literally change the perspective of the way they see things. He is the counselor. I just want to tell you, there's no better counselor than Jesus. And when people will allow him to come into those areas. Now, you have to be willing to go into the pain. A lot of people just shut it out and pretend it's not there, but it's still there. You have to be willing to go into it. But if you're willing to go into it, I promise you that he will take you through it and free you. He will free you from that pain. Because he is a wonderful 
counselor. And, you know, it's interesting to me that, well, uh, Psalm 34, verse 18 says that God is close to the brokenhearted. But we just don't need closeness. We need healing in those areas. Here's the reason it's so important. I know that God wants to fulfill the destiny he has for each and every one of you. But there are things emotionally that can hold you back, that can stop you from fulfilling the destiny, from stop you from really walking in the fullness of what he has. Those things can really hinder you in your ability to go forward. If you can be real with him and allow him to come into those areas, he will bring healing. What happens is in those traumas and in those areas of our life, we form on truths. We form lies. I thought that my parents didn't love me. That was a total lie. They came out of the depression. They were both worked a lot of hours. My dad was never around. They, they worked because they were so preoccupied and worried about finances. It wasn't that they didn't love me. They just didn't have the emotional stuff that I needed as a little a little brat. Anyway, a little kid. <laughs> anyway, they didn't have that to give me. And so I realized Jesus showed me how much they deeply love me. I got to tell you, that changed the way I saw things because I didn't think they loved me that much. And I want you to know when he shows you things like that, it changes your whole perspective It changes the way you see things, the way you feel about yourself, the way you feel about other people, and the way you see him. And so, extremely important. God wants, he wants you to fulfill his destiny. I'm going to to give you scripture here that that I think will really help you. Uh, You can turn to Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16 and 17, or you can just follow with me in this. Uh, But but I think you'll you'll see... um, Actually, it's 15 and 16, sorry. So Hebrews 4, 15 and 16. 15 says this. It's talking about Jesus. This high priest, meaning Jesus of ours, understands our weaknesses. For he faced all the same testings we do, yet he did not sin. Now, I use the the NLT here. The reason I use the NLT is New King James, NIV, ESV, all use a double negative. They say, we do not have a high priest who's unable to sympathize. So the NLT just puts it in the pot, you know, just doesn't use the double negative. Same meaning. So I just like the way it says it. However, uh, this high priest of ours understands our weaknesses. That word understands is, it means a lot more. When we think of understands, we think mostly intellectually understanding. This is what the word means. If you can put the next slide up, yeah. Here's, the, here's, here's what it means. To understand comes from the Greek word. It comes from two, two words, sum, patheo, sum, patheo. Sum means with, patheo means to suffer. Um, and so basically it's saying he suffers with us. He feels with us. He empathizes with us. He has compassion. And so he experiences it with us. <clears throat> so this is a powerful word. The high priest of ours, he sympathio. He sympathios our weaknesses. He really understands our struggles. He understands our weaknesses beyond, 
not intellectually understanding, he's with us in those because why? Because he suffered in every way like us, but without sin. So he understands what we're going through. He understands when you stumble. He understands when you struggle. He understands those. You're not letting him down. This is what you need to understand. Sometimes Christians feel bad. Oh, man, I'm not doing well. No, he's there with you. Let him come in and really help you in that place where you struggle. Let him be there for you. He's a wonderful counselor. He cares about you. And, and so it goes on to say, so first of all, he's some patheos with us in that place. And, and then it goes on to say in the next verse, it says, um, so let us, therefore, if, since this is true, let us come, how? Boldly to the throne of grace. Now, what happens when you're going through it? How do we usually approach the throne of grace? We kind of snivel up to the throne of grace. We don't approach boldly when we're going through a struggle, when we're weak, when we're feeling weak, or when we stumble. We don't come boldly. Oh, God. We need to come boldly to the throne of grace. And then it says this. It says, come throne to the throne of our gracious God. There we will receive his mercy, and we will find grace to help us when we need it the most. When do we need grace the most? When? When do we need it most? Yeah, when we struggle, when we stumble, when we're hurting. That's when we need it. And sometimes when that happens, we pull away. Let me tell you something. He wants us to run to him, come boldly to the throne of grace. And we'll receive that mercy. We'll receive that help that we need in time of need. We'll receive it. But if we don't come to him boldly, we won't. And also, it'll hinder us from fulfilling the destiny that he has for us. I just got to say that God is such a loving, loving. You know, Jesus, the Father, Jesus, the Holy Spirit. I mean, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, they're one. I mean, they are so for us and so with us that they desperately want us to fulfill the purposes they have for our life. They want us. And, and let me say this, too. They're more interested in who we are than what we're accomplishing. They care more about the person. Because when you get to heaven, you're not going, God, look what I have done for you. He's not that impressed with your accomplishments. But you know what? When you get to heaven, you're going to bring the person that you are into that throne room. And because you've become more like Jesus and you've walked with him, that's what he's going to be so excited about. He's going to be so excited and so embracing of you because you were willing to go through the struggles, to go through what you needed to go through, to become more like him. And so I just want to encourage you, in the midst of all of this, he is your Prince of Peace. He's your everlasting Father. He's your mighty God, and he's your wonderful counselor. That's not just a theological thing out there. It's very real to each and every one of us. I want you to embrace that, because more than anything else, I want you to fulfill whatever God has for your life. And you know, it's oftentimes in those struggles that we receive a ministry to help others. 2 Corinthians 1.4 says, With the same comfort we were, we were comforted in our struggle, 
we're able to comfort others also. I know I wouldn't be counseling today if I hadn't gone through the struggle I went through, or I wouldn't be as effective. I know I wouldn't. And so I'm very grateful. God does work all things to good to those that love him or are called according to his purpose. Although I questioned him when I was deep in that place of anxiety and some depression. And so I want to encourage you today. He's alive. He's incredible. Uh, he's Prince of Peace. You're Prince of Peace. He's your everlasting father. He's your mighty God. And he's your wonderful counselor. And therefore, you will win. Hallelujah. I want to... <laughs> I want to pray for you. I want to pray for you. Father God, I thank you for each and every person here. And I want to say this. If you're here today, and maybe you feel far from him, maybe you've given your life to him, maybe you haven't, but you feel far from him, and you say, today, Lord, I just really need to come back. I'm not going to have you stand up or come forward. But if you say, Lord, I just need to really embrace you fully, and I need to come back to you. I've been under whatever, but I'm coming back to you with my whole heart. I just want you to slip up a hand and put it back down again. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for that. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. I want you to all pray this prayer just with me. Say, Lord Jesus, you are so amazing. You're my Prince of Peace. You're my everlasting Father. You're my mighty God. You're my wonderful Counselor. I love you so much. I thank you you'll never leave me. And so no matter what I face in life, I know that I will be more than a conqueror through you who love me. Lord, I embrace you as you embrace me. Help me to fulfill the destiny that you have for my life. Help me to love the way you love. Help me to be the person you want me to be. I'm yours, Jesus. I give you my life. I give you everything I am or ever hope to be. And I give you the glory now. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, let's give Jesus a great hand. Hallelujah.